Hey, it's Misty and Liz. We're two women who don't know shit about literature, but we love to hang out and talk about the books we've read. And everything else on our minds. So get cozy, grab a drink, and let's get started. Hey, I'm Liz. I'm Misty. Welcome back to another episode of Talkin' Shitterture. Go ahead and check us out on Instagram and Facebook at Talkin' Shitterture and Twitter at Talk Shitterture. And you can email us at talkinshitterature at gmail.com. There's usually no G on talking. No, because we're too cool for Gs. Well, I think it's because we're Southern. We don't ever pronounce no, those. True. They talk shit wasn't available. No. For, for Twitter? Yeah. Twitter, you're only allowed so many letters in your handle. Oh. So the I-N and talking didn't fit. Well, you could have just said talk shit. That was already taken. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you mean on Twitter someone put talk shit? Yeah. Huh. Actually, speaking of Twitter, I wanted to tell y'all about our new pod besties. They are See You Next Tuesday podcast. Which I love the name of your podcast. The whole reason I even started talking to them is because you always say, oh, God, she's a real see you next Tuesday. And for probably six months, I just (laughs) nodded and smiled because I didn't know what it meant. And then I I Googled it. Good job. (laughs) I believe I got that from Sex and the City many, 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 many years ago. I watched Sex and the City. It probably went over my head whenever I watched it. You were a little... Little too young for it during the time that it was that it was uh, out. So our our pod besties, see you next Tuesday, sent us some goodies. Do you want to well, open it up? Let me see. Let me see. Ooh, from Texas. Let's see. Oh my God! Look up. <laughs> ah, that's awesome. So see you next Tuesday is a murder podcast. So what did they send us? They sent us a knife with blood dripping off of it that says. Murder is never the answer. Oh, the stickers? Yes, the stickers. Yeah, I'm and pretty sure that it's Amanda that always says, well, they probably both say it, but it's run by Amanda and Jesse, and they're, I swear, they're just like us. Are they? We could switch and do their podcast, and they could do our <laughs> podcast, and no one would know the <laughs> Nobody difference. Nobody would know. Because they're both, you should hear some of the stuff that they go on tangents about. It's just like us. Just, yeah, we there's train wrecks like us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and there's another sticker that says, don't be a C-E-E. So they're See You Next Tuesday podcast, but it's not S-E-E. Obviously, it's C-E-E. Right. So if you need to find them, then – and you do need to find them. We'll play their promo, I don't know, in a little bit. Okay. Somewhere in this episode, you're going to hear their promo. That's so sweet. Thank you, guys. These are some cute, cute, cute stickers. And she says that they can go – they're machine, machine washable? You can put them in the okay. washing machine. Oh. No, dishwasher safe. So, okay. like, if you want to throw them on your Yeti or whatever, then you can oh. do that. I know. You can put it on your laptop. I should. You should. I'll put it on my door. What if I put it on put my it car? Put it on your face. I'm going to put it on my car. Put the knife on your car for sure. There's a snow cone stand down the road, and it says, see you next summer. Oh. And I'm always like, I need to go change that. I need to buy some of those letters that go in the little billboard. <laughs> yeah, the little plastic letters. I need letters. to just change it. <laughs> we'll see you next Tuesday. <laughs> and then watch people will be there and be mad, mad they're not open on a Tuesday. Like, well, it's it. Tuesday here. Right? What an idiot. <clears throat> so actually, these ladies are from Texas, which is where our book takes place. That's right. So, The Four Winds by Kristen Hanna. I feel like we're about to narrate it. In the summer of, I know, <laughs> I know. So, Kristen Hanna. You want me to tell you a little bit about her? Tell me about my girl, Kristen Hanna. All right. Ms. Hanna is from California. 
she went to school in Washington and she's from California and that's where a lot a lot of this book takes place in California. She said they had hadn't really learned about it when she was in school. Really? They hadn't. So this whole book is kind of Dust Bowl, Great Depression stuff. She said they didn't really learn about it in school. She had to do research for it and pretty much the first time hearing about it. I didn't hear. I didn't learn much about it. I learned. Well, I think we talked about the gold rush. We did too, but we had Not, an entire year in middle school dedicated to Louisiana history. Right. And I was under the impression that all states did that. So whatever state you live in, you you, you learn like, about it in eighth right. grade or whatever. Like your whole year is spent to learning about your, your state. state. So I would have thought that it would have come up. But it kind of kind of blew my mind that they hadn't really talked about it. And then she went to school and became a lawyer. So she was a lawyer in Seattle for before she even wrote her first book. So she's amazing. <laughs> she has more than twenty books um, that she's written since the early nineteen nineties, including The Nightingale, which you've read. Love. I'm pretty sure that's her best selling book, and it's in forty five languages, four point five million copies worldwide. They're making a movie of that in twenty twenty two. I don't want to see it. You know, because the book was so good. It's so good. I think you gave me the book. I think it's over there. Somewhere. It is. And I look at it every time I come here and I say, this idiot won't read this beautiful book. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, it's because I wasn't reading a lot of books at that point. But now I've started reading <sighs> the actual copies of books. I was using my phone to read. Right. Anyway, we've had this discussion 700 <laughs> Have <times>. we? <laughs> Let me tell you how I like to listen to books. Oh, God. <laughs> okay. Um, she's honestly written The Great Alone and Firefly. Firefly Lane, which is a Netflix series. Yep. Have you watched it? Nope. Do you want to? It seemed very chick flicky. Yeah. I looked it up. I don't watch a lot of TV, so when I do watch TV, I don't get to watch. I want to make it count. Well, I don't get to watch the chick flick stuff because I watch stuff that my husband and I will both enjoy. Yeah. And he will probably not enjoy. He Um, would suffer through it. He'll he'll watch my murder documentaries. I've heard really good things about Firefly Lane. Firefly. Why is that so hard to say? I don't know. Firefly. Firefly Lane. But the name itself is a turnoff to me for some reason. It sounds like a Hallmark movie that I just would not be interested in. It most definitely does sound like a Hallmark movie. Maybe that's why I think it's like a chick flick. Maybe it's not at all. It's probably about decapitation and um, bestiality. (laughs) Anyway, she is the number one New York Times bestselling author. She's extremely well known. She's kind of got a big following of people she is I, I know nightingale was voted a best book of the year by the wall street journal it's amazing a book came out not too long ago it's sally rooney book beautiful world where are you okay apparently sally rooney is one of those authors where you either love her or you hate her mm-hmm. and i kind of got the feeling that's how Kristen hannah is too really that's maybe i don't know i've never read another this is the only Kristen hannah book that i've read you told me that someone on tiktok and i quote said i would read her grocery list yes which is true this book and i've told you this that when every time i put it down and put it back like i picked it back up it was like i was hitting resume on a documentary because she's such a well just thought out writer she gives enough detail to where you have the entire picture painted but then it's not too much to where you're just bored out of your mind Right? Yeah. So when I would read, it was just like I was watching, you know, just watching everything and not really just like reading the book. So it made a movie in your head. Yes. Which is why the movies of the books are never as good because when I'm reading, and I assume everyone does this, but I could be wrong, when I'm reading, I am 
everyone I'm, has a face. Everyone has I, a and I'm yeah. I'm making a movie in my head. Mm-hmm. So no matter what a producer director can come up with, it's never going to be as oh, good as what's in my head. No, no. And even if it's unless better, it's tale. Oh God, here we go. <laughs> I can say that I did have to stop and Google a couple of times during this book to get the picture in my head correct because this takes place like you said the great in the great depression and dust bowl i had seen the lpb the dust bowl documentary so i knew some things about the dust bowl but it was hard to picture in my head a farmhouse in the middle of like a land of dust it sounded like beetlejuice whenever they fall out of the house and like the sand monsters are there (laughs) you know (laughs) it was like it was hard for me to wrap my head around so i did like look at some images google images and i was able to like okay this is what it looked like i did as well because i think we kind of briefly touched on dust bowl when i was in school but never for a long period of time i didn't know that much about it and it it's kind of like a cute name, like, oh, a little, little dust bowl. Little dust. I didn't, I guess I just didn't realize how devastating it right. was. And now that I'm older, we've gone through, you know, my house caught on fire at one point. It was not a big fire. It was a tiny little fire. And then both of our houses flooded. So now we've gone through some devastation in our lives, like loss of property, mm-hmm. your way of life changes. So it's a little bit easier to relate to. Right. So... Now that I'm older, I appreciate history a little bit more. In fact, I didn't think I liked historical fiction. When you handed, when you said we're going to do this book, I was like, okay, whatever. Like, not what I would have picked up based on what I like to read. But I'm so glad that I read it because I think that it's not that I don't like history. It's that I don't like boring history. I actually went to my kids' parent-teacher conference And I told the social studies teacher about this book and I told her I didn't think I liked historical fiction. And she was like, oh, but history is just gossip. And that's so much fun. I was like, oh, (laughs) I was like, do you want to hang out? Would you like to get margaritas? Let's go. Yep. So anyway, I'm really glad that you picked this book because I wouldn't have picked it up on my own. And it was it was good. Well, there's certain things that I do like in a book. There are certain topics. Dust Bowl. World War Two, Holocaust, polygamy, true crime. Why polygamy? I don't know. You like someone else to service your man so you don't have to do it all the time? Ding, ding, ding. No. <laughs> uh, it's, I don't know. It's just, you know, there's just like people have like hot topics. Yeah. You know, yours is like magic and warlocks. Yes, and mine warlocks. is. Witches. <laughs> mine is polygamy and cults. Okay. When I hear about them, I'm kind of, you know. They're intriguing. They're intriguing to me. Dust Bowl is one of those, is one of those for me. Just find it just such a, a crazy. I mean, you put a massive environmental. I don't even know what to even say about the Dust Bowl. This huge period of time with the Great Depression. It's like the perfect storm for crap. So actually, Chris and Hannah, I listened to, at the end of the audiobook. There was an interview with Kristen Hannah and Julia Whalen, who is the narrator for this book. Kristen Hannah said that she likes to put her characters in the darkest point of their lives and ask them not only to survive, but to thrive. So, Hmm. I mean, you have to have conflict in a story or else. Oh, yeah. It's it's, boring. Right. It's just like, you know, I brought the kids to baseball and then I had to go here and then the dog peed on the floor. Right. Like, that's not fun. Nobody wants to read about that. So there has to be some kind of 
some kind of conflict. But she actually wrote this book because she wanted to follow up The Nightingale, which I guess is based in France. Yes. She wanted to follow up The Nightingale with a story that was just quintessentially an American tale. And history is mostly written from a male perspective, and she wanted to bring women into the historical narrative. This is 100% a story of survival. There is, I mean, this is like epitome of bitches getting shit done. Loved it. I can say that I was expecting more from the end, and I'll go into this later, but... That was, they also asked, the interviewer posed the question, what was the most surprising to you thing to you about your book? And right off the bat, the narrator, Julia Whalen, or I guess you don't call her, call her a narrator. The reader? The reader. She said the ending and kind of laughed about it. And Kristen Hanna's answer was that a lot of the characters don't do what you ex- would expect them to do. I'm glad she said that because... My main complaint when I'm reading any book is, why would you do that? It's right. kind of like when you're watching a horror movie and they always run up the freaking stairs <laughs> and you're they, like screaming at the right. TV. They fall down. So it's kind of good to remember that, you know, people don't do what you expect them to do. So why would you expect book characters right. to do what you would do? Yeah. All right. You want to go ahead and tell us what this book's about? Sure. So The Four Winds is a story about Elsa. Is it Walcott? Wolcott? Yeah. Walcott. Okay, Elsa. This is during the 1920s. She's 25 years old. She has, I'm going to say this tongue-in-cheek, the world's shittiest parents. <laughs> she's 25, not married. So then she's a spinster. And her parents just, I mean. Her parents really held her down. And that quote that I put on Instagram a few, few days ago mm-hmm. was, Apparently, you couldn't stop loving some people or needing their love, even when you know better. That quote was talking about her parents right they're your parents right when i love you regardless but in that day and age a parent well and i guess now some parents don't love their kids like they should absolutely no and her parents 1000 percent did not so that was a, a big source of a lot of elsa's problems was that she was very insecure because she didn't she didn't have that love growing up and she had two sisters that did have that love from those same parents who wouldn't right. give it to her because she was ugly because she was too tall because she was plain and she was skinny and she wasn't married and it was infuriating when I was reading it just just it I wanted to throw the book awful. so Elsa is swept off her feet by Rafe who is actually 18 years old he was the son of a farmer they meet up a couple of times Elsa ends up getting pregnant and how do you think her parents took that they Obviously, they probably embraced her. They and embraced her. New baby. her. They said, "We will stand beside you, help you raise this child." No, they dropped Elsa's butt off at Rafe's house, and the dad drove away and said, "Don't ever call me again." You're no longer my daughter, right? Can you imagine? No. What would you do if your parents dropped you off? Like, I think she'd only seen Rafe a handful. Of I know, times. maybe twice, three times at this point. And I think it was only for a couple of minutes. If you know what I'm saying. Right. So then you're dropped off. You're like pregnant with some, with this man's child and you're dropped off at his parents' house. <laughs> like that like, had to be the most awkward dinner. And see, and Rafe there. was also planning on going to college. Like that was his dream was like to go to the college next the next day. Like I think he had his stuff packed up to go to college. His parents were, you know, so proud of him because he was going to be the first 
Italian first Martinelli to go Martinelli to college. To go to college, and so that was his legacy. And, and so, he wanted more out of life than just to be a farmer, right? He was already not happy with living there and living on. And that was land. his way out. That was his way out, and he he had worked for it his whole life. So Rose and Tony are Rafe's parents, and they take in this abandoned pregnant girl who they've never met before and like okay well I guess you're and gonna immediately live here. treat her better than her own parents. oh yeah and they didn't I don't even think they really even treated her better you know it was just better than her parents they don't think they did anything you know they were just more loving they, they were, were you just, know they just didn't they didn't leave her on the side of the road now don't get us wrong Rose was mad because oh, at this well, point I mean, Elsa shows up pregnant Rafe can no longer go to college plans change Rafe was engaged to another woman. What a cheater. Well, it was one of those arranged things right. back then. I, I don't even think he And I didn't understand that either is because they were mad that she was going to go to college, but then he was going to get married too. They had set him up. So like, I guess that was the norm back then is to go to college and get married. Like at the same, like you do both at the same time. I don't know. Maybe he's going to go to college. He was 18. Then come back and marry yeah. her. Hello, like my was, betrothed. I don't know how that was supposed to work out, but... That was the plan, and he ruined it. So Elsa gives birth to a beautiful baby girl. She also embraces farm life. Rose, she does. Rose and Tony show her everything about the land because they are immigrants, obviously, you know, from Italy, the first generation. They That land is the American dream for them, and their blood, sweat, and tears are literally outside the door, and that is you know, everything that they've ever lived for is the land. And they show that to Elsa. They like started from the bottom. Now we're here. Yeah, for sure. And so Elsa embraces farm life and finds love in Tony and Rose and parents that she's never had. So meanwhile, Rafe, who, whatever, decide he's just not happy. He's just not happy. And he's feeding their daughter these dreams, which I agree you should always tell your children there's more out there but he was feeding his daughter these huge dreams when he wasn't able to help them in real life right he was more of a daydreamer and less of a doer yeah absolutely if you're gonna if you want to bring these dreams to fruition you have to do things and he preferred to go get drunk in town rather than help around the farm and save us out, save up some money so that maybe you can get out of here one day. You know, right. like, it's going to be harder now that you have a family. But you can do it. Now, during this time, they had a very plentiful farm. Here comes the dust bowl. Here comes the dirt. So the drought comes. And I believe the drought during this time uh, lasted an entire decade, all through the 1930s. Gosh, I can't even imagine. And there was over farming. You know, the farmers didn't really know how to take care of the land. So the farmers moved in. They ripped up all the grass to plant wheat. And then when the drought came, there was no vegetation there. The grass would have held the dirt down. Correct. But because the grass was gone for farming and there was no rain, other vegetation would not grow. So it was just dirt. Just loose dirt. Everywhere. So when the winds came, it just blew the dirt all around. They lived by the mantra, the rain will follow the plow. And it didn't. So the rain never came. Her name is Elsa, and we have daughters. Throughout this book, I was going around my house singing, let it rain, let it rain. Oh, <laughs> uh, when I saw her name was Elsa, and I was like, oh, God. Her name's Elsa Nor, but they refer to her as right. Elsa. Right. It was like, the entire book. Lord. I could not stop. I got, like, my kids, my husband, the dog was singing it. <laughs> right, everybody in the like, neighborhood. Right. Singing right. It, making up a whole bunch of lyrics. 
everyone during this time is moving to California. Because California is the land of milk and honey, plentiful jobs, like everything that you want is out. It's completely, it's paved in gold. California is where the jobs are. That's where the money is. And the town is slowly dwindling because everyone is leaving. The town is dying. Everyone's leaving to go to California. So everyone's abandoning their homes because banks are foreclosing on everything. The banks are crashing. Everyone's going to California. So people are literally walking walking from Texas to california their entire families just walking or driving a jalopy jalopy is used a lot i thought jalopy was like slang for a crappy car but apparently it's a real thing it's a real car it's not a brand of a car but that's what you called your old car your jalopy right i thought the way that chris and hannah wrote about the dust bowl about how people had newspapers stuffed in the cracks of the windows and the way that the centipedes would come out of the walls because it was also blistering hot so even the centipedes were trying to get out of the, the sun. sun and the get away from the dust and some of the facts that she brought up about the dust bowl i thought that was so interesting and even the way she described how people packed up jalopies oh yeah so you would basically just tie things anywhere on the Oh, yeah, the, the fender outside, to inside. the headlights. You would, you know, tie something hanging from the handle if mm-hmm. you had to because you could only take as much as you could fit as the in car, your car would carry. Your wagon. So I thought it was so interesting how people were packing up their cars to go west. It, she really painted like a really thorough picture and just really. It made me want to look up pictures. So I oh, did. No, it was I exactly too. how she had described it. I know. It. I was like, whatever. These are books from, these are pictures from the book. Right. <laughs> this is the Ella Schreiner. So Rafe. In the middle of the night, he just up and just leaves to go to California, leaves his daughter, who he's been building up with all of these dreams, leaves his wife, leaves his parents. I thought Rafe was acting really weird before he left, and I was 1,000% sure he was going to kill himself, which is what Kristen Hanna wanted you to think, because as they're searching for Rafe, you hear a gunshot go off, and right. I was like, that's that's it. Rafe, Rafe, is, he's Rafe done. just cu- killed himself. And it ended up being the father-in-law killed a cow. Right. Or a pig or something. I I was like, oh, my God, the kids are going to find his body. Like, how traumatizing. And he had just left. No, he just walked out. Literally walked out. Walked away from his family, his parents, his wife, his children, and his daughter just adored him. I just. So Elsa has two children. Loretta, who was at at this point of the story. 12, 12, 13. Um, bordering, little tea tottering on pre-teen. Definitely teenage attitude. Ugh. She's awful. I think I have, Elsa. I think one of our discussion questions is, Loretta, do you, do you like her? Why was she such a bitch? <laughs> <laughs> because she was so mean to her mom. She blamed her mom for her dad leaving. She blamed her mom for everything, but... I have a daughter, and I can tell you that literally everything is my fault. Oh, yeah. It's never my dad. If something goes wrong at school, somehow it's my fault. Oh, yeah. It's because you... I'm not even there. I don't even know your teacher's name. (laughs) Who? (laughs) You go to school. (laughs) And she also has a son, Anthony. They call him Ant. He's not as much of a part of his story. He's not. It more focuses on Elsa and Loretta, but he is there, and he does... Yeah, he he brings. A he's on every bit. page, right? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's talked child, about, but. <laughs> but he's not. He's a main character, but not a main main character. So Rafe leaves, and the you know the family is just completely just upset. But they're also distracted by what's going on. They got to pull through. 
aunt ends up going to the hospital because of the pneumonia that is caused by the dust. And the doctors tell Elsa, you got to get out of here. The only way he's going to survive is if you leave. Yeah, I think he ends up spending a week or so in the hospital. there in the hospital. And then she has to come get him. Didn't Black Sunday happen? Right. Right before that. Right when he was in the, he was in the hospital. Right when it ended. She was like, oh, okay, we're, we got to get out of here. Because before this, Elsa was like, no, I'm going to stay with Tony and Rose. And we are going to ride this out. The rain is going to come. I feel like it's important to note that Loretta wants to go to California. As soon as her dad leaves, she wants to go after him. And there is a there is a moment where she's mad at her mom for leaving. But then I think that before they even go to go to California, Loretta wants to go because her dad's been feeding her these dreams of going to California her whole life. And she does want to go because of that. But she begins to let up on her mom some. It's that thing where, you know, when you're screaming at your kids and you realize, you realize it's not really their fault. Yeah. But at this point, you're already I'm invested in it. I'm 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 committed. Yeah. My throat already hurts. So now I need to just pretend to be a little bit crazy and just continue to yell at them because I'm already, I'm kind of in the middle of it. Right. And I'm going to finish this and I'm going to tell them a joke. So Loretta's like, I don't know why I'm being so mean to my mom, but then she keeps being mean to her mom. And it's just, you know, Well, she's already girl. set the stage. She's got to ride it out. Right. She's got to finish. Teenage girl thing. So Elsa gets it in her head. Okay. You know what? I didn't want to go to California before, but I'm going to go now because this I have to save my death. son. Right. My son is dying. I have to save my kids. So what would you do? I don't know if we've ever talked about this, but Misty's son has cystic fibrosis, which is a disease of the, well, do you call it a disease? Yeah, it's a digest, it's a pulmonary and um, digestive. So you can probably relate to this. If somebody said, Misty, you can stay in Louisiana and Jax might not get better or you can leave and he will definitely get better, then what are you doing? I'm already gone. Okay, bye. No, See you later. That's right. So I can, I understand why she left. However, I was very surprised that Tony and Rose decided to come with her. Because they that was their land. That's what they loved. They would never leave it before, even when their own son left. Right. So I didn't They didn't see follow them. him. I could see them understanding why Elsa would want to leave. But not tagging along. But not tagging along. Right. They agreed to go, so I was very confused. Plot twist. They didn't go. They didn't go. They gave her some money, and she understood. Elsa understood. That which, part of the book was so gut-wrenching to me I cried at that part where Rose and Elsa were saying their goodbyes oh it was awful I felt like Elsa finally felt like she belonged somewhere and she was losing her and she told Rose you are my mother and Rose who had had several miscarriages of daughters before said you are you are the daughter I was supposed to have you are my child oh my god I'm gonna cry talking about it I thought it was it was just awful having to her having to leave that when she finally like she deserved it. Everyone deserves that. And she oh. didn't have it for so long. So having to leave that was just gut wrenching for me. And I read it and just went on to the next page and didn't think <laughs> much about it because I'm on antidepressants. And I guess they just work that well because you had told me there's this no part emotions. where you, and you said, text me when you get there to this part. Let me know. You'll know it, You'll when, know you it when you when you get there. And I'm at the freaking end of the book. <laughs> like, where's it at? Because <laughs> I was, it was, it was a very somber moment in the book. It was definitely 
you know, it pulled at your your heart. But I was more excited that they were leaving. I was anticipating. I was ready for them to get there. So let's let's start this this traveling. So they pack up and head west. They get to California after a couple of days, and their hopes and dreams are squashed because California is not not what they expect. I don't know why she didn't Google it before she left. I mean, Elsa didn't even plan it. Didn't even get a hotel room. Like no itinerary. She just nothing like didn't know forethought she could have checked ways to see if there was a lot of traffic nope she could have looked at like google earth to see what places looked like i don't know what she was thinking no 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 street views or anything she just went out there just with her i think they bought they brought a stove some clothes a little bit of food some money uh they didn't bring shoes because aunt forgot his shoes they didn't have money for shoes before. Right. So they didn't have that. Mm-mm. And they literally just like got in the car and, and just peaced out. They did. So they end up at a tent camp. I didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't either. And to me, it was like, um, I guess like a FEMA camp. <laughs> it's like that oh, really, yeah. that we really have to, to kind of so compare it to. During Katrina, a lot of people lost their homes. So the idea of FEMA trailers just inland is very familiar to us. Right. So just, we have seen that. That's like a something that we can relate to and put it together. So, yeah, you're right. It's just like you pick a piece of land. This is your This is your this spot. This is your spot. Your your t- your camping this out. This is your house. Well, it's they It's definitely not like the RV like luxury camps. <laughs> no, no, no. Those places are amazing. No, this is this is like you're lucky to find a place and you're lucky to not get robbed. There is a lot of discrimination, lack of jobs. So this book, in this even area. though it takes place in this time frame, this book brings up a lot of issues that are very relevant to today once they get to California. A lot of these people are from Oklahoma. Okies is what they called them. Uh, Texas. Elsa repeats seven million times. We're not from Oklahoma. We're from Texas. And everyone's like, I don't care where you're from. I don't care. Well, you're from dust. So mm-hmm. you came here. They took our jobs. The people in California kind of acted like they were from another country, but they weren't. They li- they were all Americans. Laredo was so confused because she kept saying, we have just as much to write, right to be here. We are Americans. They're like, no, you're not. You're from Oklahoma. This is California. You don't belong here in California. Go back to where you came from. It was so crazy because there's nothing to go back to. Like, right. what do you want these people to do? Right. And, and so they, they couldn't wrap their heads around what they had come from. It's like, I, I don't care. You're taking our jobs. So they find a community in this this tent camp. Mm-hmm. Some people are living out of their cars. Some people are living in, in tents. Some people are living with cardboard. So they find another family that um, the Deweys that live a couple I don't know tents tent down over. tent over from them. Elsa finds a a friend in Jean, and they kind of go ride this out together. What is the cotton season comes up? Time to pick some cotton because that is where the money's at. You pick cotton for 12, 14 hours a day, and you make what? How much did they make? A dollar? Something like that? 90 cents? But when Elsa first arrived, she, she said she was going to go look for work, so she took off driving. Was, this was like the day after they arrived. She took off driving, and she goes, finds work at a farm cleaning, and... She cleaned for like 12 hours, and this bee... Gave her 40 cents. 40 cents. And she, she needed it, so she kept it. But I'm sure inside she was like, I'm going to shove this up your butt. 
Yes, she was very angry. The 90 cents she got from picking cotton was double that. It was, it was like a fortune. Right. And then with Loretta's help, we'll double that again. So, because that's what you did. You're, you picked cotton and your kids picked cotton. And she didn't, Elsa did not want the kids to pick cotton. She wanted them to go to school and have an education. And they went along with it for a little bit. The kids were treated very badly at school because they were outsiders. They weren't from there. When they first showed up to school, the nurse very roughly checks them for lice. And the administration at the school is so ugly to the children. And after a while, Loretta's like, no. Nah. I've learned all I can from that school. I'm I'm picking cotton because we need the money more than I need this education. More than I need to be like treated like crap. I think Ant gets in a fight, gets beat up. <laughs> yeah, this is terrible. They, this is they, terrible. What, did they take the little food that he already had or yeah. something ridiculous? So it was crazy. But And Loretta starts to see the injustice of everything going on around her and the way that her people are treated unfairly. So she actually ends up running away. She she's says, mad she's mom, mad then. at her mom. I don't need this. I can survive on my own. Walks down the road and this guy picks her up. Now I want to tell you, <laughs> when I started reading this part of the book, I was like, oh, Loretta, you, honey. I knew she was going to get raped. I just knew it. I knew this, there was like, a, this was going to be a part in the book where I was just going to have to like, just read, read through real fast. No. No. She gets picked up by the only gentleman of the 1930s. I guess Jack Vallon. He's the only one. Jack Valor? Valor? Vallon. <laughs> he is a union organizer, and he ends up taking her to a union meeting. He says he's a communist. So I was really confused because they they mention the word communist a lot, and as how we've all grown up, communist is not a good thing. No, it's not. It's not. It's so it's, I'm wondering if maybe that word has evolved over time. Like maybe it was good then, although didn't wasn't it like a bad thing in World War Two? And he called his he called people comrades like it was Russian. Right. So I actually got on when I was looking at Goodreads, somebody Carrie Claire on Goodreads said I was with the book until they got to the part about communism, and she says, a book that supports and pushes communism as the answer to struggles in America. So she didn't like it because she didn't like the communist agenda. But I didn't see it as a communist agenda. I mean, it was definitely a lot of union organizing. So I looked I looked it up, like, what was communism in the 1930s? Verbatim, this is what I got when I Googled it. By 1930, the party had adopted the slogan of, quote, the United Front from Below, end quote. The Communist Party devoted much of its energy in the Great Depression to organizing the unemployed, attempting to find red unions, championing the rights of African Americans, and fighting evictions of farmers and the working poor. Okay, I'm going to guess I'm a communist. I, Am I? Are you a communist? I, I mean, those all sound like really great things. Like, every, like workers' rights, rights of African Americans. I know. People not getting evicted. State I, I, help. I, those all sound like really good things. So I'm wondering if just something was lost in translation over time. Not even translation. Just like lost in time. Maybe so. Because so, that, that's what I was I was thinking. Because the things that they were fighting for, I was one, I was I'm 100% on board with. And then he'd say, we're communists. I'm like, well, I was taught to not like communists. Right. I know. That one was hard for me. Too. I mean, I, I think mean, it, it lost a lot of people. I wish she would have done an author's note to kind of explain that. Because I think she... On Goodreads, she lost a bunch of people. Jack Valor, mm-hmm. Prince Valor, Valium. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it depends on who you ask. Valor, Valium, which one do you ask? She, she finds her place in this meeting, this communist work, you know, union organizing meeting. She's like, this is what 
she's been having all these feelings of injustice and wanting Loretta, not Elsa, because Elsa's not on board. Loretta is really kind of fuels something in her. In her, Loretta is at that age where you're young enough to not know how the world works, but you're old enough to understand that things are important. I would say nowadays that would be college age for a lot of people. You kind of have this idealistic view of how you want the world to work and you you don't get why it doesn't work that way. Right. And then once you get out into the workforce and you you have you buy a house, you, you have a family, yeah. you kind of understand why things are the way that they are why they are the way they are. But back when you were younger, you realized how great it would be if things were just different. Oh, when I was in college, I was so stupid many different ways but political view wise i was changed you're not the same you are oh now. no i was <laughs> so it's kanye and the birthday party for me good well <laughs> i support that she wants to join this communist party like and she's... she tries to talk elsa into it right elsa, elsa's old enough and she's responsible for two children and herself to where she realizes she this knows is not going to be no good. no 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 she cannot be found to be associated with this communist man that the farm owners in California are against right she well, just wants to survive she just let that look and I get that she's like look I can't rock the boat I just freaking got here I don't I don't even know like my kid just got shoes I'm mm-hmm. I, she's constantly trying to figure you know, numbers in her head count, you know, like math of how much money she has. And I get where she's coming from. Like, she can't just like jump in there and be like, I'm going to strike. I think in the book, they, they boiled like, I don't know, six beans and they split a hot dog three ways for dinner. Right. So I get it. Like, she's trying to. It's not just like a little tough. It's It's, as tough as it can get. (laughs) Right. And I'm, I can't really afford to just speak up right now. Well, their tent camp gets flooded. Oh, how devastating. So everybody loses everything. So they have nothing. They are, had nothing, and now they definitely have nothing. They have their she, truck. I think she had $19, which is a fortune, and it got washed and away. And it got washed away in a box. I wanted to throw up. And I was like, God. Because I do that thing where when I don't have any money, I'm like, I can't believe in 2006 I bought that shirt that was $45 that I didn't need and I wore once. And, and I don't even know where it's at. So I definitely have buyer's remorse and <laughs> me too. I, if I lose, it'll hit me. Oh my God. I had $20 in my pocket last week. Where did that go? And then I start searching all my pants and I'm like, ha ha. Yeah. Well. I washed it. It's crispy. <laughs> it's crispy. <laughs> Jack Val, Val. I'm going to call him Valium now. Valen swoops in, saves the day. Well, his whole party it's is, about. It's kind of like Red Cross. Yeah. They kind of set up <laughs> is, like Red it's Cross. FEMA. Yes. He is FEMA. Exactly. Communist FEMA. <laughs> same thing. I mean, I'm here to help. And he knew that they didn't believe that Elsa Jack's didn't. like, you can text 96969 <laughs> with your donation amount. With help. Standard text rate messages will apply. <laughs> text, save my ass too. <laughs> He and takes he's them, there. He takes them to but a hotel. You? They have a tent set up with like donuts and coffee. They give <laughs> right. away and shirt. blankets. Yes. And I was thinking too, like, okay, why can't they just stay there? <laughs> yeah, I was like, why? Well, you found your home. Um, is where they get the money and the resources for this because Elsa's poor ass has been over here in this tent camp, you know, slicing hot dogs for dinner. Uh, they flood out, and then all of a sudden, here's here's a nice bed and a hot shower, and a hot meal. 
I have no idea. I wondered the same thing. The The building, they had already explained that it it looked abandoned and they liked it that way. So because they, it housed. It housed their people. So the people that worked for the Communist Party to create the unions and work for workers' rights. It was rights, a hideout. It was a hideout. So they very much wanted it to look abandoned. So... I understood why they had rooms there and they were kind of, you know, rotating. So Jack would be here for a couple weeks and then he would go somewhere else for a couple weeks and somebody else would come in. So they kind of rotated. So I understood that. I did not understand where the tents with the, with the donuts and coffee came from. Like, like, why weren't they tailgate tents? Like what? (laughs) Exactly. They're like making jambalaya. Right. They got like gumbo going on over here. They're making some Bloody Marys. they're playing Florida. They're roasting a gator. Right. They're playing cornhole by the road. Like, horseshoes. I'm just, what? I don't know. I wondered the same thing, too. Like, why hadn't they helped before? Right. Where have you been? But Jack does help because he finds Elsa and her two kids a actual place to live. Like Not a cabin. Like a cabin with a floor. And they were so walls. excited to have walls and a floor because they had been literally living in mud. They had a mattress in the mud. So... And they're at Welty Farms. They describe in the book a lot about how you can't take a bath. I think there's one point where she, I think it might have been that point where she gets in the bathtub and takes a bath and washes her hair. That part to me specifically spoke to me because. Right. It was so loud. You I don't, mean, after a night of going to a restaurant and I've got makeup on my face. Oh, and, God. You know, my hair probably hadn't washed it in like three days or whatever because that's me. And I get to take a bath and wash all that makeup off my mm-hmm. face. And I get to scrub my scalp. And I'm clean. And that is just the best. Being clean, like just washing your makeup off your face and getting out of the bathtub is like rejuvenating. It's like, yes. I'm, I feel like a new person. And you realize these people haven't had a proper bath in probably a year. And it's so sad. And that, But that's what they... And it's such a small thing to us. But think about not having a bath or being able to get clean for a year. Ooh, oh, God. Can't. Can you imagine? I think I washed my face three times this morning. I, look, I've been known to take two baths a day, just oh, yeah. in the morning and in at evening, just because they I just love them so much. I know. Just they're the best. And I can't imagine going through all of this and not having my bath sanctuary. Oh, my gosh. When we... When our houses flooded and we had to completely gut our houses oh my and God. redo everything, my husband wanted to not put a bathtub in the house. Oh, God. Why? I, Absolutely look, not. He did whatever he wanted to to this house because I got we a bathtub. We are having a bathtub. My ass is going to sit in hot water. Either we were having a bathtub or we were getting divorced. <laughs> like, it was serious. And there's nothing like like easing into hot water. It's like you literally feel everything. I want to get in like Bugs Bunny. Gets let's st- let's put pause on this, and let's um go take not together. Obviously, that's disgusting. But let's like go take a bath. Yeah. Okay. Let's do it. We'll, we'll be back. Hi, I'm Amanda, and I'm Jesse, and we're the host of See You Next Tuesday podcast. True crime podcast where we talk about the crimes against family members. Because let's be real, the ultimate see you next Tuesdays in the world are the ones who commit crimes against family members. 100%. Right now we are covering a tough one, moms. But don't worry, we don't discuss the terrible crimes and leave you depressed. Before we go, we tell you about our star mom of the week that we think is killing it in motherhood. Give us a listen on most podcast platforms, Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple, Google, Stitcher, and more. Don't forget to like and subscribe. As always, we will see you next Tuesday.
Okay, so we're back. Oh, it feels so good. Oh, my God. Baths are amazing. I had to take that bath for Elsa. Yeah, that poured one out for her for sure. So they're at Walty Farms. And at first, it's like, this is too good to be true. Because it is. Because Welty, who is the owner of this camp, he owns the, co- the company store. The company store. Well, I guess it is a company a company store. The local, because the store is on site. on campus. They have a laundromat. They it's have, almost like a, a college. It is. Everything is like a, a little town. little village. little village. And they come pick you up. And you get in the back of the truck. And you go pick cotton for, you know, if 14 you live, hours. If you live on Welty Farms, you get first... You have to work. And you get first dibs. You get on, first dibs at the jobs. On, on jobs. And you're first picked, which is a big thing because people line up at in, the mi- um, in the middle of the night because people want to work. The store is credit only. And then the way that you get paid is you probably made a dollar that day, but they give you a coupon and to cash it in is 10%. So then you're, you know, you really made 90 cents that day. And then you... To pay off anything at the store, they charge you like a fee because it's because it's credit Credit's only. Credit only. So there's they make it so that there is no way there's no way to get ahead. out of debt because you're left with like pennies, and your your rent is six dollars a month, yes. which back then is a lot, and that comes out of your check. So you can't you can't get out of the hole. There's there's not it's a way systematically to made to for you to fail, yes. which is kind of parallel to the way that a lot of things work now. And there's it's just injustice after injustice after I injustice. I mean, she's definitely making some commentary on the way that things are today and how they haven't changed as much as we think they've changed. Right. Okay. Because it's not as obvious. It's not. You're not you're not getting credit at a store, but other things are are happening that are just as bad that are. Slipped in yes. under the rug. Elsa is slowly boiling over. Like she's feeling the injustice just and, and like the disservice that Loretta is. But she's not as vocal about it as Loretta is because she's still like, hey, look, we live at this guy's camp. We are lucky well, to Elsa's live here. Elsa's just never been one from the time that she's born through everything with Rafe, through living on the farm, she's not one to say anything. No, she's not. She, this is the way this. I'm gonna. This is the cards that I was dealt, and she I'm just feels gonna... lucky to have her daughter, have her son. She's lucky to have. She, you know, she doesn't take any of that for granted. No, she knows she's busting her ass to make things happen, and she doesn't want to lose it. Jean gets typhoid. She dies, and Elsa is like, you know what? Enough's enough. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm joining this communist mu- movement, whatever it is. Like, I, I just lost my friend. Because she goes to go get Tylenol from the store. The store's closed. Ugh. Then she goes to the hospital. She had to literally, like, physically threaten physical harm to them for them to give her Tylenol because she was a, a migrant worker. Right. Because you're not from here. We can't. We, we can't give you help this. You. They call security on her. Right. And so she gets the Tylenol. It's too late. Jean dies. Elsa brings Elsa. Okay, you know I love a story about a badass woman. This is like my thing lately. Super into like women getting shit done. Right. So Elsa, meek little Elsa, who aggravates me the whole book because she <laughs> never wants to. She will not stand up for herself. I mean, she's taking care of things, so there's that. But she, she I don't like an injustice just as much as Loretta. To me, Elsa is walking softly and carrying a big stick. That's how I see her. So she finally, her friend is dying. She needs some Tylenol to get this fever down so that maybe she can live and they won't give it to her at the hospital. So she brings in a baseball bat and she starts 
banging it, the desk, banging it on the counter. The nurse finally like opens the the drawer and like throws her, it at her, gives her some Tylenol, and she calls security on her. But I was so proud of Elsa in that moment for finally standing up for something. Right. Just I, I mean, it, she was at her breaking point. She's very okay. Well, okay. By this time, she's forty years old. She's taken all she can take. She's like, you know what? Damn it! Give me the freaking Tylenol. My my friend's dying. Who gives a shit where we're from? She gets there, gives her the Tylenol. Poor Jean passes away in her arms. She stands up and she's like, I'm done with this. Like, I am done. Enough is enough. Like, I just held my friend while she died. So they have, they form a, uh, they're going to plan a strike. Jack. Jack and his communist party that Elsa is now a part of and Loretta. They want to plan a statewide strike to where everyone sits down in the cotton fields. All, and on the same all day, it sits there and doesn't work. It was like, if the cotton doesn't get picked, you don't get paid. And he's very specific about, we will not be violent. This will be a peaceful protest. Right. And we're going to take up room here. Yes. We're no going to sit. No one will pick cotton. No they, one's going to pick. They're going to understand our importance. They're going to know. At this point, I think they had lowered wages a couple of times. Right. They're already low wages. And they were not going to be able to survive. Also, it is important to note that Elsa is beginning to fall for Jack. Of course. Oh, there's a little bit of romance there. You know, little, well, I'll say little, they end up sleeping together, which I was like, oh, Elsa. Oh, girl. Because she didn't even, she wouldn't even initiate sex with her own husband. No. And she literally straight up walked out of the bathtub with no clothes on and was like, take me. And I was like, she was like, I'm a woman with needs. That's right. And, and Jack, you are the guy to do it. Did I send you that TikTok a couple days ago? And uh, the dude's like, oh, there are 20 letters in the alphabet. And his friend's like, uh, hold up. That's not right. And he goes, oh, yeah, because I forgot you are AQT. And the friends, the friends start laughing. And the friend's like, wait a minute. There's still one missing. He goes, yeah, you can get that D later. Oh, my God. <laughs> I was dying laughing. <laughs> <laughs> so, so Elsa and Jack end up as she a couple. She gets the D. And they end up, I guess it was like, they don't have the talk of the relationship talk. Obviously. No, but I think they, that they, Jack does kind of say that no one's ever gotten to me the way that you have. You're a warrior. He calls her a warrior. warrior right. Like, that must have been what did it. Guys, like, take notes. Tell me I'm pretty and call me a warrior. And he's like, warrior. And she's like, yes. So they have the strike. And of course, the police get called. And I don't understand this. Like, it's not illegal to strike. It's not illegal to voice your opinion. Well, I mean, it kind of was then. It didn't matter because the the police officer, I mean, they were crooked. Here's how much. It was wealthy town. Right. (laughs) Pretty much. It was wealthyville. dude was paying the police. And I'm thinking, because I have no sense of time. Ma- uh, megaphones were invented back in the 30s but yes they were because they used them to well it wasn't it probably wasn't like the one that you click and it's like Rrr. i think it was like a cheer megaphone exactly. i don't think it was like it was probably a rolled up piece of paper it was probably a, of a it was a paper like towel a roll it was it was a paper towel roll. right That's exactly what it was no i don't think it was like a megaphone with like the button but yeah i think it was like a cheer megaphone during the strike there's a, a you know a scuffle Jack gets kicked. He they 
you know, Welty's guys beat Jack. I was so worried that Jack was going to get shot. Oh, me too. I was like, this is it. Jack's going to get shot. And then Elsa's going to have, she's lost two loves of her life. Oh my gosh. I was, I was just so worried about Jack. <sighs> That's not what happened. Elsa gets in the back of the truck, picks up the megaphone. And she finds her voice. Literally. She tells them, stand up, fight for this. You are worth more than they think that we are right Show we them. let's stand together and get this done we work together we work better together than we do apart we need to support each other and they're She's, being they're being tear gassed and i'm so proud of her in this moment again because this is just kind of like this makes the hospital incident yeah look just like a tiny little thing because she's finally standing up she's standing up to wealthy and to the police and in front of her children her children are watching this because they're standing there too she finds her voice and uses it and she's like this badass woman and again it's the 1930s so like you know women are stupid and they shoot her and she dies in the abdomen and she dies I was so caught up and worried about Jack dying that I never even thought never even thought that Elsa Elsa. would get shot Yes. That she was ever in any danger. I honestly thought that Ant was going to die at some point during the book because they really didn't spend too much time talking about him. He was just kind of a cute little brother. I thought, okay, well, at this point, Ant's going to get dysentery or typhoid and he's going to die. And that's going to be a sucky part in the book. And that's not what happened. <sighs> Elsa died. So, and Jack drives Loretta and Ant back to Texas with Elsa in the back of the truck in a cypress box. And I am thinking National Lampoon's Vacation where they have Aunt El- Aunt <laughs> on the top of the car where they're driving to Phoenix and she's sitting in the, and she's, they drop her off on the back of the porch. And she's dead. <laughs> she's dead. <sighs> but no, they drive her back to Texas. Now, this is the only part of the book that I have a problem with because if they were going to just go back to Texas... Why could they not have done that earlier? And they're going to bring Ant back to Texas. The whole reason they're in California is for Ant's sake. So right. that he doesn't, he, he's away from the dust. His lungs can clear out. Why is it suddenly okay for him to go back to Texas? Now, I know that they take her body back to Texas because Loretta wants to bury her on the farm, which is what they should have done. But it wasn't like it was just this little quick, like, jog back to Texas. It's like days and days and days of traveling with this dead body in the back of the car, which mm-hmm. I guess we're not supposed to spend too much time thinking about. And it's so hot. And it's disgusting. And uh, she wasn't embalmed, obviously. She's dead. She wasn't? I mean, I mean. You don't think they did that for her at the hospital? No. They wouldn't even give her a Tylenol. You think they're going to embalm her and say, like, here she got, here you, you can have her back. No. I don't think that happened at all. I'm joking. So that was my that was like my one and only problem with this book was there. I mean, there were some like character things like, oh, that's not what I would have done. Right. But then again, I'm not in the book. So I just I didn't understand why it was suddenly OK for them to go back. Right. It was like, did you not forget everything? The, the previous 300 some of the pages that we just read? Did you notice? OK. And that's pretty much the end of the book. Did you read in the epilogue? So the epilogue years later, Loretta is 18 years old. There's a family cemetery on the property where Rose's miscarried children are buried and Elsa is now buried there. And Loretta kind of gives like her final goodbyes to her because Loretta's going back to California because Loretta is going to college. I, that was another like proud female moment for me because 
she mentions she has the uh the did we talk about the coin at all no the the okay. wheat penny so Loretta is carrying a, fa- a family heirloom, which is a wheat penny. And she says, hope is a coin I carry given to me by a woman I will always love. Her mom. And I hold it now as I journey west, part of a new generation of seekers. The first Martinelli to go to college. A girl. I was like, yes, girl. So proud of you. She was fulfilling her mother's most important wish because, you know, she didn't want him to pick cotton. She wanted her to go to school. She was like, no, you're going to go to school. That was always Elsa's biggest thing is that she wanted her children to be more than you have to grow up and marry a man. Right. I mean. Or she wanted that for her daughter. Yeah. Like you don't need a man and you don't. And that's what she was showing her was you only have yourself to depend on. You don't have anybody else. What I thought was interesting was throughout the entire book, it's written in a third person point of view. Right. It's never like. Right. Right. But it's but it's one person. It's third person on Elsa, and then it's third person on Lorraine. It's another view on each person, right? And then at the epilogue, it switches to first. Lorraine is, is talking. In it's the her eye. point of view. Yes. So I thought that was interesting because it's almost like Lorraine is the narrator, or or we're back to present day, and now Lorraine can narrate her own story. Maybe so. I thought this book was was good. It kept me engaged, even though. The first, maybe the first half, third of the book, there really wasn't anything happening. I still wanted to read it. And it's just day-to-day farm It was, but that's what kept my interest was how these people were having to live and what they were going through. And I was just, look, I'm going to tell you, the first page, they got talk about how Elsa's parents are just terrible parents. And I was like, you got me. Intrigued. Yes. You also, you love cults. You love polygamy. (laughs) I love coming of age. Terrible childhood. (laughs) Yes. So, what happened to Rafe? I was not concerned with Rafe in the least bit. I think the chances, I know every time they passed someone with dark hair, Loretta would stare at that person and try to figure out if it was her dad. And Elsa was always so annoyed with her because she's like, it's not him. Like, you know, it's not him. Elsa knew they would never find him. And I think had he shown up again in the book, it would have just been too (laughs) Too far-fetched. It would have been too coincidental. California's a big state. And I bet that that happened a lot. Men abandoned their families because it was just too hard. And, you know. You're written out of the story. You don't don't get a place in our story. You don't get to come back whenever I've handled the shit. Right. No. Goodbye. Stay gone. So I, I didn't mind him not ever coming back. Don't know what happened to him. Don't even care. What do you consider to be the most emotional part of the book? To me, it was whenever Elsa left Rose because that's something that I can imagine my daughter leaving and I can cry about it. Like my Mm -hmm. kids are young right now. They're 10 and 7. I can imagine them bringing them to college and I'll cry. (laughs) Like it's terrible. No, I know. I know. You know, so like her having to leave. And I know that's different because in that situation, I'm the mom. Right. But her having to leave her own mother and then – it's almost like she's a child at this point. Like, I know she's got children and she's a mother, but it's almost like the child going going away to college because she's... And she's literally going to a place that she doesn't even... She knows it's this way. She knows she gets, right. to, the, she gets to the end of the road and you either take a right or a left and that's all she knows. She probably is following the sun. Right, probably. I she's, mean... She's got a compass. She doesn't even know how to use it. She doesn't even know how to use but it. But knows how to use it. Right. And they have the Explorers Club that they... 
that they they form. they form a little between the three of them. See, that I thought was so cute because I remember, you know, this is obviously not life or death like that. Um, in the book, she kind of keeps the kids kind of happy and distracted. Distracted. They're explorers. We're in a club. Everything's okay. We're just having fun. This is a little adventure. Yes. Which I will do with my kids. We were at an LSU football game. And it was torrential downpours. But I'm pretty sure it was like the Alabama game or something where we're not allowed to leave. Mm -hmm. So the kids are falling apart. I am not happy. My (laughs) husband is drinking and (laughs) and screaming at the football field. Right. So I get the raincoat and I put it over our heads. The poncho. Yes. I'm like, we are weathermen and we are reporting (laughs) on a hurricane. So we start pretending to be weathermen. And all of a sudden this like miserable night becomes fun it's It's instantly transformed into like we're getting blown away and look at him and and meanwhile jamie's upset because he's getting lsu's getting their butts kicked by oh i'm sure they won i'm sure who lsu (laughs) oh yeah they probably this was this was not this year let me reiterate (laughs) not the 2021 season there is one quote in the book that i think i'm going to remember for a long time that really was just like light bulb was courage is a fear you ignore. Yeah. Love it. Like gives me chills because that's so, that is so true. Courage is just, it's a fear, but you are choosing to not succumb to that fear. You're You're not letting it hold you back. And you're going to ignore that fear and you're going to keep going. And that's what exactly what Elsa did because she was a badass bitch and I can't believe she died and they just carried her body all across the country and then box but whatever i mean that's I mean, <laughs> see, you, neither here nor there did you cry at the end no <laughs> i didn't see okay so in order to so when liz and i prepare for these for an episode we watch a lot of reviews whether it's you know social media it's instagram we read reviews online and I we like watch tiktoks because there's book talk and there's all kinds of Awesome reviews there. I'm obsessed with Goodreads now. I love Goodreads. Every single TikTok I saw with someone with this book was this book destroyed. This book. Okay. And I fully expected to lose my shit with this book because Nightingale, the last three chapters of the book were just painfully just teared. I just laid there and cried and cried. And I carried the thoughts from that book with me for months. And I was expecting the same thing here. That was your problem. You had expectations I, for the book. Again, I think it's my anxiety medicine because I literally just closed the book and I texted you and said, well, I'm done with it. <laughs> <laughs> and that was it, man. The end. Okay. Well, speaking of TikToks, I I had a couple that I pulled that I really liked. At Sydney Lynn Ray comes on and she she's so pretty, full of tattoos. Oh, I she sounds her. awesome. She almost starts crying and she's, she didn't even say anything. She's like, I just finished The Four Winds by Kristen Hanna, and I don't know if I'm going to be okay. <laughs> well, I mean, that, uh, that's, but that is like kind of a universal thought with this book. She, said, she ends up saying, if you like historical fiction and strong women, read this book. And that's kind of what I got from it, too, is the strong woman thing, finding your voice. Like, I, I love it. I do, too. And then the at Shannon underscore by my pen She's the one who said, I would read her grocery list. That's how much I love Kristen Hanna. Me too. I died laughing. I think I immediately sent you that TikTok. And I was like, oh my gosh, this girl sounds so funny. 
Well, and the thing is, is I, Chris, it doesn't take a, I didn't cry my eyes out, but it doesn't mean that I didn't enjoy the book. And it doesn't mean that Kristen Hannah is not an amazing writer because she definitely is. Yeah. I mean, you don't have to cry. There's many books that I like that I don't cry at. And then Jenny Lawson. Mm, Love love you, Jenny Lawson. So she's the author of Let's Pretend This Never Happened. (laughs) She is so funny. Cannot say enough good things about her. I'm sure we've talked about her probably every other episode. I'm sure she was in episode two when we talked about our favorite books. Yes. She apparently is a reading machine and she reviews every single book on Goodreads. She said, you got to have balls to write this after Grapes of Wrath already exist. But this was entirely worth reading and I may have cried a little bit. 4.5 4.5 stars. She does contribute a lot. Jenny Lawson, if you're listening to this, and I'm sure you are, because this is a why wouldn't you be award-winning podcast yeah. that's international. Let us know how you read all of these books, because I would love to know. I'm sure you're a vis- very, very busy person. Mm-hmm. Probably a lot busier than we are, and we're pretty busy people. How you get it done, girl, let us know. <laughs> we need yeah, talkingshitterature at gmail.com. That's or you right. can find us on Twitter. And you can put in the subject line, I am Jenny Lawson, and I will scream my head off. What if our email address was Jenny at JennyLawson.com? Oh, I'm going to email her. Another thing that I really wanted to touch on was that this book brought up so many issues, uh, labor regulations, safety standards, minimum wage. The farm owners were pretty much allowed to do whatever they wanted to. And then this one is in particular so relevant to today's time the Californians were saying that they didn't want to provide any government aid because it will make the immigrants lazy right it would it would give them a I mean that was iterated it was iterated and reiterated (laughs) (laughs) another interesting thing is that Franklin Roosevelt he he was elected during this time so in 1933 the new deal came out okay so that placed regulations on stock markets banks and businesses that is parts of that are still used to this day is that okay so i kind of recently got into looking at stocks and trying to learn a little bit about stocks is that why we can only trade so much at one time and i'm not sure okay you like you need the answer to that no um i don't know i'll get back to you about that i don't know exactly what regulations were placed i just have regulations here it i don't i don't don't outline exactly what laws statutes were put in place during this time but i know that even now rs 14 colon (laughs) 35.4 i think a lot of these are during are in the social security act i think that's where they're at but I'm not sure exactly what regulations were put in place. But there's a lot of them are still, we, we still uphold a lot of those now. The climate issues come up a lot. This is, this is a situation where you can see that humans definitely affected their climate and their environment. They did. That was the far, over farming. It was the, it was the tools they were using, the machinery they were using. Either they didn't know or they chose to ignore it. They completely screwed up their own land. Is this why we do like crop rotation? This is why we like terrace a lot of the land over in that part of the country. While I guess maybe crop rotation. I guess why they use particular forms of equipment over there. Okay. Um, they planted a lot of trees over there. Hold that I know that. Down. That's right to hold it down. So there's a lot of that came. There's a lot of positive things that came from that time. That is probably a reason why a, a lot of that land can continue to be farmed now i'm guessing (laughs) i'm assuming um also the great depression just now that we've all gone through this pandemic together we can all relate a little bit more to the great depression 
because it's hard for us like land of plenty like even people that don't have much still have so much today so i know in particular for us we my husband and i have our own business and our business went down it took a nosedive and it was very scary we didn't lose our house or you know it wasn't like great depression yet mm-hmm. but just the work that we did lose it was really scary it really caused you had to reevaluate yes. your living 1000 percent, and just being stuck in the house and you know i don't have work to do but i don't have money to do anything else so we right. cannot leave this house i don't even really want to drive around because that's gas Rest- restaurants are closed you can't get gas no no right. toilet paper and even if the restaurants were open we, we weren't, weren't going restaurant. there no because i can get a carton of eggs for two dollars we're eating beans and rice yes so i think that the whole pandemic made the great depression a little bit like we were able to sympathize with it, maybe Not so. Empathize, right? No, no. But we can sympathize with a little bit more. And then again, the feminist elements. I, I mean, she's just so hopelessly oppressed at the beginning. Of the book. I mean, she was just like, I mean, I told you, Cinderella's stepsisters were in my head. Especially the scene where Cinderella gets the material and uh, the mice. <laughs> yes, do, make I her love dress. Like, that Gustav. Yeah. Gus, Gus. Gus, Gus. Gus, Gus. Yes. Because they end up taking her red material that she makes for her little slutty dress and they make their own garments, garments out, of. out of. She's locked in, not really locked her room, but I mean, she doesn't want to come out because she's going to be verbally assaulted by her parents and her two stepsisters Anastasia and whoever the other one is <laughs> are down there like with suitors and you know planning their weddings do you have any bad reviews no you didn't get a bad review I didn't okay I I found one bad review this VB book reviews on Goodreads gave it two stars and said how many terrible things can happen to one family to one person I don't even know what the message is here be brave or don't whatever <laughs> because it's all doom and gloom in the end anyway I kind of can relate to this because I think I told you earlier, I was uncertain as to why Elsa ended up dying because it's, she dies at the moment that she finds her voice. Right. If she speaks up dead. Exactly. So it's almost like. (laughs) Speak up shot in the stomach. That's it. It's like, are you supposed to speak up? Are you not? The moment you do, you die. That's what I thought too. So I, I wish that. I'm not saying I wish that change would have come about as soon as she spoke, but I wish that she would have at least like moved on. I wish she wouldn't have died. No, I wish I don't want to say. Or <laughs> I was going to say I wish someone else would have died. I that's not true. Or died a different way. <laughs> right. You know, like of old age at the farm in Texas. Right after she has put legislature in. Right, and she became a congresswoman and the yeah. first lady president of the United States. Exactly. Right, and then she would, could have been assassinated there. Yes, because somebody, some man didn't some like man women, did. right. women being in charge. Ugh. So it, how many stars did you give this book? Four and a half. Really? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, I hate a half star. I need you to commit one way or another. I can't because four is too little and five is saying it's perfect and it's not. What? What's your thoughts? What's your reasoning? Loved what it was. I loved the information it gave. I loved what it was about. I loved Elsa's character. I loved the way that she just... She fought through everything that every bad moment of her life. What I did not like was that she died. 
I mean, obviously she was going to die at some point, but she died in the back of a truck with a megaphone. They shot her in the stomach. It was like, it was kind of like Kristen Hanna, like built up everything. And it was like someone was behind her going, okay, you're, you're, you're going to wrap this up, wrap this book up. Come on, come on. Couple, you got a couple more pages. And she's like, okay, dad, going to California. I mean, going back to Texas yeah. in a truck, dead. <laughs> I really liked Kristen Hanna as a storyteller. I love the way she writes. I will, I have The Great Alone at home. I started, started reading it on a trip a couple of years ago. And I got distracted by some other things going on at the time. And I put it down and I have it. And I want to read it again. I want to mm-hmm. start it over. Yeah. Because it was really good. Nightingale. Oh, one of my, it's so good. This one was, you know, I liked this one as much as the Nightingale in a different way, even though I didn't cry my eyes out. Yeah. But I did like it. I'm, what about you? I'm going to give it three stars. <gasps> Okay, because I'm I don't like a half star. Okay, so so enforce too much. <laughs> five is no, I think I, I have like one five. I star have book. like maybe one or two books that are five stars, and those are so f- yeah. Five star is reserved for like one of my absolute favorites, right? right. And it's, it's so it's not my five, and star. it's not that. Uh, so three and four to me are still really good stars. I don't know if three sounds good, but no, to me sounds three, like a C. <laughs> it's a B minus. Okay. It's a C. A, B, C. C, three. <laughs> okay. Well, it kept me engaged. I really couldn't wait to get back to it. I was really invested with the characters. And I just, I love the feminine No, you aspects. can't. I mean, you if you don't, then please. So I'm going to go three stars and I would definitely recommend it. So oh, I will, I like I'm going to, I'm going to pass the book off to my mother-in-law who also finds the Dust Bowl very interesting. Um, so I'm going to give it to her. She's really excited to read it. So I do want to give a shout out to my friend Veronica, who just recently got engaged. Oh, congratulations. Veronica Veronica. and I go back a long time, like way back, like 2000, oh God, 2003, maybe back to good old Dillard's makeup days. Oh, she worked at Estee Lauder. She worked at Clinique. Okay. So Veronica and I would go out together. Veronica, do you remember we used to go out to the bar and drink all those whiskey sours so veronica and i have been keeping in touch she just re- like i said recently got engaged her ring is beautiful she actually is going to she her book recommendation um which is called on earth we're briefly gorgeous by ocean vong how would you say that yep vong. okay i don't know she recommended the book to me it's going to be our next book so okay. in honor of you and our friendship veronica and how much i miss you so much you have picked our next book and I read the um, description of the book and they mentioned prostitution I was instantly like yes girl reading it so that's gonna be our next book so I bought it it came in today actually I'm gonna start reading it tonight the book isn't very long it is 256 pages okay so it's not long at all it was it's a recent book it was 2019 is whenever it was published I wonder if there's any trigger warnings I'm not good with any kind of sexual assault I mean I, I don't like that either well, I'm not, not that anyone likes it, but it like haunts me. Oh, for like, sure. It, it stays with you. Want to That's one of those subjects. Reading it. Child abuse, sexual assault. And for sexual sure. assault on children makes, oh God, I cannot, I, I, I wouldn't finish it. I would not read it if it was that. If, I'm going to read the book. If the book includes any of that, we will give a trigger warning on before our next episode okay, to let perfect. you know that that we're going to be discussing that or glossing over it. Okay. I should say. So our next podcast will be on the Witches of New York. And then our the book after that will be on Earth. We're briefly beautiful, gorgeous, gorgeous. More than beautiful, it's gorgeous. Okay. <laughs>
we'll see you then all right bye, bye.